What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Airhead Attic Podcast. I'm Adam Best here as always with the golden voice of Sterling Holmes and Richard, our producer, doing his thing behind the scenes. What's going on, man? Dude, I love the haircut, but uh, you got a little business development go- uh, vibe going on. Like you're trying to sell me some windows, maybe. Uh, you're oh, you're, uh, you're a, a mid, what's it, a regional manager of a sales company. You got that vibe rocking right now with the beard, the goatee, the hair. Oh, that's a good the polo. I just haven't shaved in a week. Yeah, you you met me during my like hippie George Harrison year, whereas like back in my businessman days, uh, this is more what I looked like. But uh, yeah, I promised the wife that I uh, cut the beard and the hair off if the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. So she's real lucky they they uh, pulled it off because another year there, I would be looking like you know Forrest Gump at the end of the movie when he's running. You know what I mean? Like. It would take a while. Uh, a shout out to Evan Warner in the chat, who's responsible for being late today. All of us. We're all late. We all take responsibility, baby. It's not me. It's not me. But we'll all take responsibility for it. Uh, what I do want to take some responsibility for, and something you guys should take responsibility for, is if you are 21 and over, the best beer in the world, the best sponsor, Casey Beer Co. Casey Beer Co. came out with an unbelievable new beer, Casey beer co never say ipa uh it's the first ipa they have made first ipa to hit the kc beer co lineup a celebration of german and american brewing traditions using both german and american hops as well as german malton yeast it's a phenomenal beer it's another great beer from the award-winning brewery with terrific lineup of beers so whatever beer you are into kc beer co has a style for you look for the red kc beer co cartons in your local store we appreciate you guys' support so much. You've been so generous. Uh, we had Raymond, who I know drove 13 hours to pick up some Casey Beer Co. Uh, but anytime you guys tag them, any guys, anytime you tag us with them in uh, on Twitter, 
it means the world because they they really see those connections being built and they see the value there. So it means the world. Thank you guys so much. Casey Birko, dare to beer different. We're going to do something a little different today. And since it's the off season, we have the luxury, especially on a Wednesday of doing deeper dives. We're going to kind of do a philosophical exercise. And this new segment, which is the whole show today, is called the 10 Commandments for Mahomes Era Team Building. So I prepared a list of 10 things based kind of on what has worked for the Chiefs, what I think will work for the Chiefs. And Sterling, as we go through this, you're going to push back. You're going to give your own, you're going to opine with your own thoughts. And the chat, feel free to weigh in if you have different ideas, different commandments. This is going to be a highly interactive show. Uh, I think, oh boy, angry, drunken German. What the hell did best get a job at Verizon? He's selling insurance now. Meet a girl from Martha's Vineyard. Wow. Oh, I love you and M.E. Productions. Adam looks like the long lost third property brother. Oh, God. That, not, not that again. That's going to make me grow out my hair again. Yeah, but let's dig into this. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be enlightening. And this is going to, going to kick off a series over the next month where we dig in deep with some guests and we start to look at some da- draft prospects and work our way towards the draft. And as we await, uh, I don't know, what are we on? The third wave, the fourth wave of free agency now? The death rattle? <laughs> so There's time. There's always time. There's time, but are there, are there bodies left? There's a Let's, few go <laughs> <laughs> Let's go ahead and jump into uh, our first commandment. I think there's going to be some unison on this one. Always have a dominant offensive line to protect your half billion dollar quarterback. Now, the caveat there is don't allocate so much money that you're hamstrung elsewhere. But other than that, as long as Patrick is under contract, he, he's priority number one. You got to keep him upright and healthy. We've seen him get a little banged up almost every year of his career. And we just have to keep him uh, as the Mahomes we know. Yeah, that's the most important thing. I, I full heartedly agree with you here. I think it's more important to have a dominant offensive line than it is to have uh, some great wide receivers, right? The offensive line is most important. We saw the uh, the change from the Super Bowl O-line where that was not enough to get it done to a very, very top five, maybe, offensive line in the NFL, and they were able to win a Super Bowl. Uh, they're still trying to get better. They they found that Orlando Brown Jr. wasn't the best fit for this team. Again, I have questions, obviously, with Jawan Taylor being a right tackle in Jacksonville, never grading out well to now playing left tackle. But again, they saw something in him that they feel like the athleticism translates better than Orlando Brown Jr. So they're not stopping trying to get better on the O-line. Uh, the question will, will come down to, do they pay Creed Humphrey? Do they pay Trey Smith? They haven't paid a top-end center in the NFL before. Kansas City has, at least in recent memory, right? They've not done it with Rodney Hudson or Mitch Morse. Will Creed Humphrey be different? Joe Tooney, they're able to restructure his contract after next year. That's going to be a major issue as well. He's going to be a very large cap hit next season. They want to keep him around. They're either going to have to restructure or bring him back for a couple more seasons. I don't know if they just part ways. Next year is going to be the real test of of this theory of having a dominant O-line. And as good as Morse and Hudson were, I would put Creed Humphrey probably one tier above those guys. He is a top three, top four at worst center right now. Uh, He's kind of unique 
moving as well as he does, getting to the second level at his size. So I, I don't know that they're if Joe Tooney's still in the books with this Jawan Taylor contract, Trey Smith is where it gets a little iffy for me. A little bit. I, I love Trey Smith, but you can't keep we saw this this year. You can't keep everybody. We had to let Juan and Nicole and Frank Colin, a bunch of guys walk. So that's always going to be the case. But I think as long as the majority of the line is strong and we have no terribly weak links, we're in good, we're in good shape. And Mahomes helps this unit some because he's just almost supernatural at avoiding sacks and feeling pressure and knowing where defenders are at all times. He's per throw. He's the best at avoiding sacks in the game, even better than Tom Brady and Jared Goff. So I think that makes their, their job a little bit easier uh, for the most part, unless you're Orlando Brown Jr. Who's not very fleet of foot. And when Mahomes improvises and scrambles and extends plays, that's very, I mean, those that guy has cinder blocks for feet. It just wasn't his his uh, forte or, or wheelhouse to to, and I, I think that's where Jawan Taylor comes in the athleticism, the feet. Uh, two comments I want to get to before we go to commandment number two. Jason says, "I feel like we are falling into the Packers' sin of being cheap and leaning too hard on a generational QB." I think it's a good question, a good point to be brought up. Uh, we'll touch on this a little bit as the show progresses, but I do think that's something to at least keep in mind. You don't want to end up in the Packers situation just uh, putting all your chips into Aaron Rodgers, and that's it. Uh, I also want to point out Evan. Warner Casey Wigman was the last center to get paid by KC right that seems to be uh, at least from top of memory the last center I can remember getting paid here in Kansas City but let's move on to commandment number two what do you have Adam maintain a young roster by constantly churning and not getting sentimental so only guys over 30 should be stars you know they, they should be stars or leaders if you're going to keep them over 30 otherwise even someone like the honey badger has to walk just can't can't have highly paid guys falling off a cliff on our watch with this Mahomes contract, especially if we re up, uh, we re up Chris Jones and bringing back the DiCaprio rule free agents. The focus there should be on second contract players in their early to mid twenties. I think that's through the draft and those players, ideally underrated players who haven't peaked yet and won't break the bank and can fill holes. So, cause I feel like we're going into the draft, especially if we can get a wide receiver and, and basically being able to say, we can do whatever we want. We don't have any glaring holes that are going to cause us to, to reach on a guy. Uh, so that's the second commandment. I think it's very important not to get old. Uh, we've seen that kind of doom teams. Uh, I think that happened to, to the Rams a little bit. Uh, and weirdly enough, the Cardinals brought in all these aging veterans and that really bit them in the ass too. So, uh, you know, you don't want to pay for yesterday, yesterday's production, right? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy sandwich, but you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
Yeah. And again, I think the part to remember here is it's going to be tough not getting sentimental. You've seen McCole Hardman, even guys like Damian Williams, when he took it to the house in the in the second Super Bowl win, uh, second of the three. Right. You have these memories. Yeah. They're vivid. They stick in your mind. But at some point you have to let that go and say that was great for that year. That was great for that iteration of this Chiefs team. But if you're not if you're staying stagnant, you're not going forward. And that's what the NFL is. There's a reason why the Patriots did not stay with all their guys. There's a reason why they let those uh, players walk and fill them with newer, younger talent. Because if you pay all those guys, you're not getting better. Every team in the NFL is getting better year after year. Uh, If you stay the same, teams will catch up. Teams will figure it out. And this tough decision to move on from Tyreek Hill. At the time, it was questionable. At the time, it left a bad taste in people's mouths. But now we can look back one year later and look at the ring. Yeah. Sometimes these decision making or these decisions don't look great in the moment, but let them time to or give it time to play out. Uh, Joe Tooney, maybe one of the few uh, aging guys on this roster, right? As far as not Chris Jones, Travis Kelsey, uh, Mahomes, those three, I think, are your uh, three superstars that you keep uh, no matter what. But outside of that, you don't really see many long-term vets, right? Would you would you consider Joe Tooney one? Maybe you'd make the case for Blake Bell. I mean. I'm trying to his, think. I, I'm trying to speak price, right now. Yeah, at his price point. The way I would approach this is try to take your fan hat on and put your GM one on. And when you think about McColl or Juan or Frank, would you risk your job on them where they're at right now? Would you risk your job on this player? And I think that's going to make you think clearly. The other thing is when you win a Super Bowl, a lot of these guys think, I helped you win a ring. Are you going to take care of me? Are you going to, and they they want to be overpaid. And then they go somewhere else and you see what they're, I mean, uh, look at Nicole's contract. What was it? Like 1.5 million. I know there's some incentives. Juan Thornhill's contract. uh, They had to structure that in ridiculous fashion for him to even get to like 7 million annually. So I think, I think it's going to be hard to retain a lot of our guys. It will be a little bit of a revolving door, but I don't think that's necessarily bad. Yeah. Again, we, we, we've seen it at a lot of different positions here. Um, not overpaying for wide receivers can still result in a Super Bowl win. Obviously, I know folks like to point and maybe say this is the outlier that you still have to surround Mahomes with weapons. We're not saying you don't surround Mahomes with weapons, but we're saying you don't have to pay 25 plus million for one weapon. The Chiefs have the best deal in the entire NFL with Travis Kelsey. The tight end market is just not what it should be. So the Chiefs have been lucky. It behooves them to have the best tight end in the NFL because you're making half of what he should be making. Let's be let's be honest now. Travis Kelsey, you look at his contract around fourteen million per year. If he was a wide receiver, he's making twenty eight plus million. Look at the numbers. But because he plays tight end, he's not. So that actually gives the Chiefs some flexibility. Um, but again, they're going to have to hit it hard in the draft. They need to get it right with Sky Moore. They need to be right with Kadarius Tony bringing him in. Uh, they need to be right with whoever they draft early in this year's draft at wide receiver. Because uh, MVS, we know what he is. He's wide receiver three. We know this. He did show a little bit more promise in that ASC championship game. I, I was a little surprised by seeing him do some things, some orbit motion, some possession receiver type stuff. Uh Hopefully he can give us maybe a little bit more 
if we lean on him more without Juju. But I agree, we have seen most of what MVS is. Let's move on to the third commandment. Keeping the secondary cheap but effective via scouting and coaching is a competitive uh, competitive advantage. So the Chiefs had the second lowest, uh, were the second lowest in secondary spending in 2022 after letting Traverius Ward and the Honey Badger walk. And one thing that I think is very interesting, they brought in Mark Richards as a research assistant. And Mark Richards is a guy who won the 2021 Big Data Bowl. And he got the grand prize for a model that isolates defensive back coverage. So the Chiefs are really own, you know, laser focused on finding diamonds in the rough that I believe are good in man coverage, are good in press coverage that will fit the SPAG system and not break the bank. And how do you afford Mahomes at 17% of the cap and Chris Jones at 14% of the cap? That's two players eating up 31%, almost a third. Well, you do that by having arguably the cheapest secondary in the league year to year. Yeah. They've done a phenomenal job year in, year out. They, they, they found a way with Traverius Ward. Look what Traverius Ward ended up getting on the free agent market. This is also a spot where the Chiefs have traditionally not paid guys. Uh, you know, maybe they did with Brandon Flowers and Brandon Carr, but eventually they let those two guys walk as well. Marcus Peters didn't see a second contract here in Kansas City. Traverius Ward uh, turned into, again, in my opinion, I know some people don't like it. I think he was a top 15 cornerback, and they let him walk. We saw what he got, top 15 CB money easily. The Chiefs can develop these guys. So why would you pay them? Which brings up a tough situation with the Jarius Sneed. Mm. Is Trent McDuffie the replacement and why they spent a first-round draft pick on him? We will find out. But Legereus Sneed brings up an interesting um, conundrum for Kansas City for a team that's not traditionally paid cornerbacks. This would go against everything we're saying on this, this number third, the third commandment that you've come up with best. Paying Legereus would go against that, wouldn't it? So I'm fascinated to see how this gets handled. But you saw success uh, from Joshua Williams. You saw success from Jalen Watson. Were those two guys uh, Jalen Ramsey? No, they weren't. But they were more than serviceable. This cornerback group this year looked better than last year. Did they not? And they were way, uh, way more youthful. They didn't have the experience, but they found a way to get it done. They felt comfortable enough to say Rashad Fenton, who, by the way, was a sixth rounder. And guess what? He looked pretty solid for a while here in Kansas City. They said, you're gone. We think we can do it with these fourth fourth round and Joshua Williams and seventh round rookie and Jalen Watson. And guess what? They got it done. You don't have to spend top end capital on corners and folks in the secondary to find success. The Chiefs are proving this. Yeah, I've kind of changed my tune on Snead a, a little bit. He's one of my favorite players, but you have to look at the team sort of in its entirety and think long term. He's very unique. So that might be why he's the exception to the rule depending on what he wants, it's going to be a tough call. When you look ahead to Bolton and Creed and players they keep drafting, it's going to be a tough call. So, But I, but I think overall they have to keep the secondary cheap. So when we've got Justin Reed's contract. I really haven't looked at when they can get out of that. I'd guess that they might have some flexibility next year, but – yeah, uh, I want to hit a super chat here from Stephen Beal. Uh, he says, only way to let Snead walk is by trading up for a cornerback. Appreciate the super chat. Um, I wonder if that was the Trent McDuffie situation. I wonder if that's what that was. The trade up for McDuffie is that. 
Is that what we're looking at here? That was the replacement for Legereus Sneed. We'll find out. But again, the Chiefs have not traditionally paid corners. Uh, Justin Reed's on a good cornerback. He's a safety, but they eventually let Tyron walk. They've paid safeties more than they paid corners. Uh, but this is obviously a fascinating, uh, again, conundrum to look out for. We will see. We will see. Number four, and you guys are seeing, we're going to cover most of this stuff that you're, you're asking about as we go through these 10. Number four is don't overspend on vet wide receivers. Constantly refill the cupboard via less expensive means. The Steelers do this better than any team in the league. Every single year, Pittsburgh drafts, not in the first round, in the second or third round, they grab a receiver and they have a pretty high hit rate on them. And what do they do? They trade them, they let them walk, but they get the most out of them on that rookie contract. And sometimes they resign them. I mean, I, I know they brought back uh, Deontay Johnson at a pretty good price clip, but that's a really good example, especially with Andy Reid taking a while to integrate these guys. If you have a pipeline that's constantly bringing in new receiver talent, I think that would be helpful. I think that would be a way to make sure that Mahomes is never left with, I, I mean, yes. Did he win a title last year? But he did, but I would argue that he won the title in spite of those circumstances, not because of those circumstances. And I, I would prefer for him never to have a wide receiver core like that again. Now it might happen this year, but especially without Travis Kelsey. And if you look back the past seven or eight years, statistically, he's no different than Devonte Adams and, and Mike Evans and Stefan Diggs. He is our de facto number one receiver and we have to have a succession plan for him. It's a little ironic since Succession came back this week, one of my favorite shows. I'm not saying Noah Gray's the the answer, but I also think that Noah Gray's a fine tight end in his own right as a tight end too. Uh, we've we've seen some growth from him, and I also don't want to get into the situation of drafting a tight end in the first round. Travis Kelsey had his best year of his entire career last year. You don't want an Aaron Rodgers situation, different positions. I completely understand. So it's not apples to, to apples completely, but they thought Rodgers was almost done. They drafted Jordan Love. What happened? They have no idea what Jordan Love is. He's almost off his rookie contract. Uh, and Rodgers won two more MVPs. If, if Travis Kelsey still has three more great years left in him, there's no reason to, to spend that draft capital at 31 right now on a tight end. That's not the most position of need, in my opinion. Can you use that tight end still? Sure, but you're not running out 12 and 13 personnel 75% of the time. You wouldn't get the value there. But with wide receiver, you get the value. I'm with you. Uh, I don't want to overspend on vet wide receivers, but the one area that I'm a little perplexed by, this was a great year to underpay for veteran wide receivers. You're one, you weren't overpaying vets this year. Juju Smith-Schuster, you weren't overpaying. McCall Hardman, you weren't overpaying. Alan Lazard, I don't think you were overpaying. Nikhil Harry is still out there in the open market. My little underpaid dream is Richie James, because I think he'd be very, very cheap. I, I like Richie James. I, I think he takes the pressure off of Kadarius Tony on the um, – McCole Hardman type plays, as well as on special teams. You can put Richie James there and hopefully keep Kadarius Tony healthy. But you weren't overpaying for veteran wide receivers this offseason. So this, for me, was a little uh, surprising. But we will see. They're going to throw some darts in the uh, in the draft and see if any of them hit. The Chiefs have not shown a great propensity to, of, of landing that guy. They've missed a few times. McCole Hardman, as solid as he was, they, they missed compared to some other guys, was he better than Andy Isabella? Sure. But 
was he as good as DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin? Um, no, 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 he wasn't. Uh, so we will see, but that's the one spot I have a little question of, can the Chiefs find and identify the, the right wide receiver in the draft? Yeah, I think one of the reasons they let themselves be outbid on McColl and Juju, and you can see this with Frank and Juan, all the guys they let walk, Colin Saunders, they've all had health issues. So we're seeing that they're putting a premium on availability. And I think that's part of this situation. Now, Mahomes gives the developmental curve a theoretical boost. So I think you can add guys to this mix. And like Peyton Manning, he's going to elevate their talent, like Tom Brady. I think we're going to see that. I'm going to push back on your tight end point a little bit. Um, Given that we were the best team in the league passing out of 12 and 13 personnel, we were also very good running out of it. I don't know why we couldn't, if you draft a Dalton Kincaid, who is kind of baby Kelsey, he's not Kelsey, but if you're looking for a guy that's kind of like him from the last three or four years, he's the guy and you use him as a move tight end. Uh, Cause I'm not very enamored. I've started digging in on this rookie wide receiver class. These guys are shrimps, man. They are tiny. It is not a tiny Cedric Tillman. From Tennessee, yeah, yeah. baby. I, I, I like Cedric Six, three. Tillman. Come on. I like Cedric Tillman, but Cedric Tillman is probably a third rounder. Maybe he sneaks into the second round. Um, You're saying he might be there at 63. Yeah, I think he might be. But <laughs> but generally, you look at guys like Zay Flowers and, and Tank Dell. We've got some fabulous names this year, by the way. Mm. Um, they're small. They're small. It's it's every body type in this draft receiver wise, except for Quentin Johnston is sort of the, the Jalen Waddle um, BMI, which sort of scares me because those guys, almost the Deshaun Jackson's uh, more of them bust than hit more of them go the way of Tutu Atwell than Deshaun Jackson. So um, yeah, drafting a tight end in, in what might be the, the best uh, tight end class we've seen in a decade perhaps longer, I think might be smart. Now, another way to play this is just to wait on tight end and see who falls and take that guy in round two or round three because there's such great depth. I would probably go that route, but I like Dalton Kincaid so much that if he was there at 31, I think he could come in and you could Gronk Hernandez the league with that that, uh, double, double dipping at tight end. Yeah. I will also say uh, OBJ is still available. That could be a possibility. It's obviously trade candidates out there. Don't roll your eyes. It's a possibility. Uh, Denzel Mims obviously could be a possibility from the Jets. That's someone I've taken a, took a little look at there. He's 6'3", over 200 pounds, former second-round draft pick from Baylor. Yeah, free Denzel Mims uh, could be pretty interesting as well. A uh, couple of super chats I want to get to. Latrell says, take my money, Adam. Is this for your spot on tweet today? Thank you, Latrell. What's what uh, tweet was that? What tweet do you think he's talking about? Uh, I don't know. Maybe my tweet about um, Clark Hunt, who we will get to. We'll get to all that. Okay. Uh, Steven, thank you for the super chat. Says can see right tackle or D line first, then look at a potential LB in tight end over first four picks. I would be shocked about a linebacker just with Drew Tranquil. Um, they have four really solid linebackers currently on the roster. I wouldn't imagine they take a look that way. Um, 
I think D-line and right tackle, though, are, are, are good picks. And honestly, if you thought there was a potential left tackle, maybe you don't think he's ready year one, but maybe year two, you have the chance. Jawan Taylor does have that flexibility. We talked about it yesterday. I talked about it with Tucker Franklin from KC Sports Network. The flexibility of Jawan Taylor does open some things up. Would he become the highest paid right tackle in football? You bet your ass he would. But again, that should not stop you from taking someone if you think he would be a better left, ta- left tackle in the future. Right. Let's move on to number five, and that is never use premium draft capital or large contracts on the most replaceable position running back. So we've learned this firsthand. We had the CEH blunder and we lost the Super Bowl the year we picked him. He hasn't been able to stay on the field, hasn't been effective. He's had some spots, but look at the two years we won the Super Bowl. Damian Williams was basically, I think Darwin Thompson had like one carry maybe in that Super Bowl. And then this year it was the Pacheco McKinnon platoon that worked out. I think we're teaching the entire league a lesson here. I love Bajan Robinson, but I wouldn't take him the first round. I don't care how talented you are, you know, because then, then you're going to be paying these guys. And I don't know when, when you can find a Jarek McKinnon off the scrap heap, why? When you can find Isaiah Pacheco, Isaiah freaking Pacheco in the seventh round, and he's just rampaging in the Super Bowl. I mean, we got to stick with that. How many Super Bowls has Christian McCaffrey won? How many Super Bowls has Ezekiel Elliott won? How many Super Bowls has Saquon Barkley won? How many Super Bowls has... Uh, Austin Eckler won. I mean, he wasn't a first-round draft pick, but he got a decent size second contract and wants another one. Uh, what about Alvin Kamara? I don't think Kamara was there with Drew Brees when they won one. Nope. Derek it doesn't Henry, matter. Dalvin it doesn't, Cook, Nick Chubb, Jonathan yeah. Taylor. Where are these guys? They're not it, in the it Super Bowl. It doesn't matter. It, the running back is the most replaceable position in football. The value is just not there. I feel bad because they take an absolute beating. And fr- frankly, they're one of the most fun positions to watch. It's that quote unquote sexy position, right? Wide receiver, running back. It's fun getting one of those flashy guys. But how much of a difference do they actually make? I was on record saying any running back draft in the first round for Kansas City when they went with Clyde Woods-Lair was going to be a horrendous pick no matter what. Now, Clyde was my number one running back coming out of college in that draft. So um, I was wrong on in that instance, really? but I was right in the instance that they shouldn't have drafted him at 32 or 30, whatever it was. It was it was silly. I hate when people say it's a, um, what do they call it, a luxury pick. There's no such thing as a luxury pick in the NFL. No. NFL changes so quickly. Look what happened to the offensive line. Look what happened to wide receiver. It changes on a dime. So the Clyde pick was, was asinine, made no sense. The Chiefs should not go out and draft a running back in the first three rounds. Makes no sense to me. If you can get Deuce Vaughn in the fourth or fifth and you think that's your Jarek McKinnon replacement going forward, fine, go ahead. But you have Isaiah Pacheco, use him. He runs well in this offense. Offensive line and scheme mean way more than the running back. You've seen it in San Fran. Christian McCaffrey looks good. The majority of the reason why, because he can also catch the ball out of the backfield, but Jeff Wilson Jr. looked good, right? Raheem Mostert looked good. Real good. Jared McKinnon looked good. They can put almost anyone back there. I mean, even Matt Breida, some other guys you've never heard of for, for spells look pretty good. I think the rule of thumb for the running back position, if you're thinking of maybe getting one of those guys 
in the late first round that's cost controlled, could they play an entire game at slot receiver? If the answer is yes, and I think the answer would be yes with Christian McCaffrey, with Austin Eckler, with Aaron Jones, maybe DeAndre Swift, I, I would think about them. But otherwise, there just isn't enough kind of surplus value there. Um, and you nailed it with the, there's no such thing as a luxury pick. Your roster may look complete right now, but these, these roster holes develop like quicksand out of nowhere and suck your team under. You have to have, you have to have depth at the most important positions. Uh, super chat from angry, drunken German. Thank you again so much. Uh, question is, name a team with a Hall of Fame quarterback and Pro Bowl halfback that didn't win the Super Bowl. Hall of Fame halfbacks don't win Super Bowls, but paired with a stud QB, it's almost a lock. I think the reason why is because of the Hall of Fame quarterback. And I also will say, I think in today's day and age, what happened in the 90s, what happened with Troy Aikman and the Dallas Cowboys, there's a reason why they have not gone back since. Jerry Jones is trying to rebuild that. doesn't work. You have to have the quarterback. That's the game changer in today's NFL. Again, you, you mentioned it. If you are a running back who is a great pass catcher, Travis Etienne, uh, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey to an extent, right? I think he, he fits into that mold. Alvin Kamara and um, let's just say Austin Eckler. They can add something to your team at running back, but they're not going to be the reason you win games. They're, they just aren't. We've seen the more analytical approach, uh, the dump downs. To running back, you've seen Austin Eckler in the Chargers. It's not efficient. It just isn't. It doesn't move the needle as much as one might think. Uh, I just don't think they make that much of a difference. Yeah, I'm totally lockstep with you on this one. So let's move on to number six, and that is focus on premium positions in round one. Uh, Going to kind of contradict myself a little bit here. Offensive tackle, pass rusher. Uh, and on the pass rusher point, I call that pass rusher and not edge because the new trend in the league is interior pass rushers. They got paid big time this season. I think that's because primarily of Aaron Donald and Chris Jones helping fuel Super Bowl runs these past two years. So I think if you have a dominant pass rushing big man on the interior, they could be worth a first round pick. Uh, wide receiver and cornerback, of course. Quarterback is on a tier above this, but we don't have to worry about that. You know, we're we're ble- we're one of the five or six teams that are blessed. Uh, so unless you can grab an ultra rare, borderline generational prospect at another position, think here are some examples: Quentin Nelson at guard, Kyle Pitts at tight end, a guy who is just can't miss, uh, separates himself not only from the pack that year, from like the pack every year. You just stick to those positions. And I would even argue that those positions are what you trade first rounders for. And the Chiefs have kind of obeyed, they've they've kind of obeyed that rule. They uh, traded for Pat with the obviously with the first round pick. They traded for Orlando, a left tackle. They traded for Frank and Edge. So I think generally the only time they've really got this wrong during the Veach era is Clyde. Because last year, what did they do? They picked an edge and a quarterback. So I think they do understand positional value. I don't know if they got cute that year when they picked Clyde or, or if they really just did Mahomes a solid and let him play, you know, Madden franchise GM for one pick or, or what. But 
uh, I think this is the route we have to take. And I mentioned Dalton Kincaid because I, I think he is a rare pro-ready receiving tight end, a move tight end that can come in, play on day one, make some big things happen. Generally, I think most tight ends, you know, you have to play the long game with those guys. Yeah, I would probably take cornerback out of there, though. The Chiefs have just done such a good job. Trent McDuffie was a little different, right? I think that might have been a different scenario because they didn't even think he was going to be there. But since you have one first-round cornerback, don't double down, in my opinion. I think they can get by, and they've shown they can get by. Uh, I, I, I love edge tackle. It's tough, though, where they're drafted. It's tough to get a legitimate bona fide stud left tackle at 31-32. Uh, it's going to be difficult, but I think edge is your best bet. Same with wide receiver, but I'm with you. I think premium positions make the most sense for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I think they can find a right tackle there. They might have to trade up. I really like Darnell Wright. They're going to have some options if they if they want to trade up. It, it'll be interesting to see if they sit there. Um, so it looks like we're we're lockstep once again on this one. I yeah. think I agree with you on cornerback. We did it once. I think because we had no depth in the room, mm -hmm. we were probably really worried about it. And there was no guarantee that we were going to find a guy in the fifth, sixth, seventh that could come in and start. We but, did ultimately, but, but you know, you can't count on that. Just like it was hard to count on Trey Smith. So I think we just wanted the security. We knew Trent McDuffie was a guy who uh, could come in and knock it out of the park. I don't think they need to do that again. As much as I like like Joey Porter Jr. in our system, I think it's just it's unwise spending of cap of draft capital. Yeah, unless you're getting Sauce Gardner, uh, a lot of these first round lock corners aren't locks. Uh, look at Jeff Okuda. Um, there, there's been a plethora of recent corners who've gone in the first round who've not been as much of a lock as people think. Uh, you, you found corners, especially in the Chiefs drafted later. You're seeing on other teams, Tariq Woolen was phenomenal for the Seattle Seahawks. So I just don't see the value there personally. Uh, super chat from KCDC. Thank you so much. Uh, they say, don't get me wrong. I love these two, but with Snead and Gay being free agents in 24 and Veach trying to, or will Veach try and monetize them a la Ward before they open to leave for nothing in light of hitting the draft in 22 and Tranquil signing? Um, good question. I think Snead's the better one. I don't know what you're getting for League A Junior technically on the open market. If you try and trade him, I don't think you're getting much in return. So that doesn't, for me, I don't think they trade League A Junior because there's not much return. Um, Legereus Sneed's a very good question. Again, we mentioned it earlier on. They've not traditionally paid corners. Um, we'll see what Veach does, but we've not seen him do this. I would be shocked if they made Legereus Sneed a massive offer. Doesn't seem like it's their MO. Would I like them to? Yes. But it might be one of those situations where you have to take the, the sentiment out of it and say, you know what? What's best for this team long-term? If they can find a guy who can play corner, uh, with 90% or 80% of production for 80 or 90% less than what he would cost, do you do it? It's going to be tough. Yeah. The versatility he offers, being able to shadow, blitz, be a box safety, be a corner in the outside, inside. He just does it all. He can really help you disguise the defense as sort of Steve Spagnuolo's uh, queen, queen piece. Now, maybe Justin Reed, Maybe they were preparing for this by signing Justin Reed, who can do some similar things. 
but yeah, tough, uh, tough decision flying ahead. So let's move on to number seven, and that is selecting starters at non-premium positions in rounds two and three uh, can be an effective way to deal with the cap. Now, when we first drafted Gay and Bolton and Creed, I was scratching my head. I have to admit, I was I didn't understand it. But after seeing it play out and looking back at uh, Anthony Hitchens' contract, right? You do not want to overpay on the free agent market for linebacker. You do not want to pay on the free agent market overpay for, for center. Um, I think these are great examples. These two guys, when you look at how much money Frank Ragnow is making for the uh, Detroit Lions, good player. When you look at how much Fred Warner is making for the 49ers, a good, again, good player, but that is not where I would blow the budget out on personally. So uh, I think this has been an effective way to get really good impact players at lesser positions. I would say, look at the bears with the contract to Tremaine Edmonds. It's like having a 1993 Toyota Corolla and then putting a spoiler on it and tricking it out. Go get the engine fixed, get a new car. That thing's going to blow up, but why are you tricking it out? That's basically what linebacker is. You don't need to spend money there. I like the thought process here in the draft. Nick Bolton, Willie Gay Jr. Even look at Drew Tranquil. That was a team-friendly deal. Then they also tripled down with Leo Chanel. I'm with you. Don't spend money there. Same thing with safety for the most point. I I, I don't think safety is a very premium position. Cook. Uh, Brian Cook. Um, Mike Edwards isn't extremely expensive. That Justin Reed, in my opinion, was a slight overpay. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, but I'm with you. Guard, center, um, fullback with Michael Burton. There's no reason to overpay at these positions. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it, we just have to keep in mind positional value. And that's a recurring theme throughout these 10 commandments is remember what's important. And maybe we pay Creed Humphrey. Maybe we pay Nick Bolton. Maybe they are so good that they sort of transcend their positions. And I think, for Mahomes' center, pretty important player. The leader of the defense, as we've lost Frank and the Honey Badger, pretty important player. So I'm not saying don't keep these guys, but I think it has been an effective way to, to keep the cap down and spend it on premium positions. Yeah. Going back to Sneed really quickly, because I'm seeing a lot of folks talk about it. Keith saying Sneed's our second best defensive player. I'm going to disagree. I, I love Legereus Sneed. I love Legereus Sneed. But you could have made the case in previous year, uh, Trevarius Ward may have been the second best player on the defense. They let him go. I know it's a hot topic because some fans have this non-Trevarius Ward fandom. I love Trevarius Ward. And I thought he was one of the most underrated corners in the NFL. Dude, he, saw was what he, got 10, he was a top 10 corner this year. Yeah, we saw no what he was saying. So, again, we have a track record, uh, or at least we've seen the track record of Kansas City, and that's why I feel this way. It's not that I don't want Legereus Sneed. I would love Legereus Sneed. And maybe that's why we're not seeing the Chiefs overpay wide receivers. Maybe it's the reason why we're not seeing the Chiefs bring back one Thornhill and they're going cheaper. But you have to pay Chris Jones. That's the actual game changer on the defense. It's the most important part is Chris Jones. Then it's Legereus Sneed. If you can keep him, great. But you're not going to uh, mortgage the future for Legereus, that's just not where you're going to go. Yeah. You can find, like you said, 70, 80, 90% of Sneed, 
finding that of Chris Jones will be downright impossible unless you, you move up into the top 10 and pick somebody, you know, you, you're just going to have to go get the best defensive tackle on the board and hope that he's even 75% of what Chris Jones has become. Uh, and, and the thing to remember about Chris Jones is we have not seen this defense. Well, we've seen it, we've seen it in stints and it's not pretty. We have not seen what the rest of these guys look like without the straw that stirs the drink. Mm. Number eight, what do we got? Lots of low risk, high reward bets on talented players who bust elsewhere. So I've used this uh, metaphor before. Think about an angel or a seed investor who puts some small bets in 10 companies and says, eight or nine of these are going to fail. But all it's I what need, you look like right now, dude. I, I can't, I can't. It's what you look like, right? Did you come from an angel investing meeting? No, but you know, I investors was, could be I, you. <laughs> I was a startup guy once upon a time. Um, but you only need one of those to kind of hit big for to get your ROI. Uh, and I think Kadarius Tony is the best example yet. Uh, now, has he given us everything we hope for or we project? Not yet, but I think uh, we're seeing why. And, and Justin Ross is another example. And we've had our, our roster has been littered with these guys, the Corey Coleman's and the Mike Hughes's and the list goes on and on. I think even Cam Irving was one of these type of guys, wasn't he? Um, mm-hmm. So. I I would urge Brett Veach to keep doing this because uh, we have the culture and the coaching staff that can make some of these guys turn out. Now, now your hit rate's not going to be very good. So if if you want to look at this and, and, and uh, ding them for only hitting one or two out of 10, I guess that's your prerogative. But I think that's the mindset anyways, that most of these guys are going to miss but what does it cost you? I mean, what did they what did they trade for Mike Hughes? Did they swap a a sixth for a seventh? It was ridiculous. It was nothing. He was free. Yeah, this, this is my favorite move for Kansas City. This is my favorite. I love these moves. Again, they're not going to probably pan out. Even the Josh Gordons, right? But but you'll have some success. It just takes time. Uh, was Taco Charlton a success? No. Um, would you make the case that? Cam Irving was a, uh, was a success. You can make the case that at least he was fine. He wasn't good as a starter, but as far as a backup, he, he played meaningful snaps. They didn't cost hardly anything to bring him in. Good uh, swing tackle at, at, at the least. Yeah. Uh, I know guys like Andrew Wiley and Mitchell Swartz weren't highly t- touted draft picks, but I think they saw something in them. They brought them in for nearly nothing, and they changed their careers around. They don't have to be a first-rounder, but if they see something in a guy, the Chiefs know how to change their, their career around. Uh, I do think the first-rounders, typically you might have a little more success because there might be a little more talent there, but I think it is the right move. Again, Kadarius Tony, this is a move I would make 10 times out of 10. Yeah, and he came in and said that, it's turned his life around, totally changed him. He's, he's bought, he's bought in. So I think we have the kind of fran- uh, franchise that can do it. You walk in that locker room, you see big red, you see Pat, you see Trav, and you're going to be on your best behavior. 
you know, you're not going to screw around. Uh, and I, I think the, the winning attitude, uh, the ring hunting, it's contagious guys come in the locker room and, you know, it, it, you're a New York giant. What's the end game there, right? You come to Kansas city and you know, the end game is to be some part of something special every single year. So I just think it's a different environment and one that's well-suited to take these kind of gambles, low-risk gambles. Uh, yeah. Let's move on to number nine. This is going to be an interesting one. This elite franchise should never rank bottom 10 in anything spending-wise. Cap, amenities, staff, facilities, travel. I don't know. Some money ball is great. I get that you want to spend, put your money and invest it into what shows up on the field, but don't be the cheap ass Oakland A's making players pay for soda, right? Moneyball can go too far and there's no cap for staffing, which isn't just coaching, but it's training, recovery, analytics. I think some uh, franchises are finding advantages spending big on there because there's really no limit. I mean, if David Tepper in Carolina wanted to spend 200 million assembling the best staff the game has ever seen, he could do it. I'm not, I'm not saying that's what should happen. I'm just saying th theoretically it could. So that brings us to the NFLPA survey, the union survey where about, about half the players in the league took this. The Chiefs ranked 29th out of 32 in, in things like how, how well they treat families, their, their facilities, their, their uh, training staff, their, their weight room, all that stuff. Uh, and it was really eye-opening. And Clark Hunt responded this week. Um, I feel like, I don't know if it was half-heartedly, but it seems like he took it somewhat seriously. Maybe not the Rick Burkholder part. I think he just blew that off. Yeah. So, and it's interesting because Rick Burkholder has this great reputation, but really the complaints about the training staff were just him. They were, you know, reading up on that today. It was very targeted at him. Uh, I think the only place where we got high marks was our strength coach, and he's since retired. So it's kind of alarming. I, I what bugs me is that, and I, I, I heard this week as well, that the Chiefs don't really have um, a cap problem. They have a cash problem, like they have a limit, they have a yes. budget that they can't go beyond. And that irks me, man. That gets under my skin because Patrick Mahomes has this franchise has doubled in value, according to Forbes, since his arrival. We have a chance to win five or six Super Bowls and become one of the premier. Just let me finish and then I'll shut up for a long time. The premier franchises in, in, in sports. You know, I think we have the opportunity to totally change the fortune of the Kansas city chiefs and even the city to some extent. Now being an owner, like who paid for that renovation? No, taxpayers, I get it. taxpayers but, paid for two thirds of it. And then he gets crazy tax breaks at being an sure. NFL owner. And, and, uh, I but, just but think, what do you want me to do? Just make more, like he has more money in his pocket in his bank account. It's not like he's not trying to win. That's not the point here. I get what you're saying, but not everyone's Bezos. Not everyone has that much money on hand. The valuation's incredible, right? That it doubled. 
but that's not cash on hand. It's like having stock. Unless you sell, you're not really seeing that money until you sell, right? Right. It's not liquidity. I, I get it. It's, it's not liquid. So what's he supposed to do? If he wants to get a loan, then, then be my guest. But I don't know what he's supposed to do unless be richer. We knew he's not one of the richest owners in the NFL. We know this. He's definitely not Cincinnati, so that's a plus. We know that much. That's definitely a good thing. But I mean, the Hunt, the Hunt family is worth like $15 billion. We don't sure. know exactly what a lot, worth, a lot of that's like A lot of that's the team, though. A lot of that's the team. You have to be liquid, and that's the issue here. It's the same thing with other teams in the NFL. Not every team has the liquid cash on hand. They've been very liquid for a long time. They've front-loaded a lot of these contracts, paid these signing bonuses out. We know this. They've done it for a, for a, lot, a long period, and they've focused more on that than they have on the, uh, in their mind, I would assume, the secondary stuff. The taking care of the families, the, um, like you mentioned, the weight room, the food programs, they do need to work on that. We know it's not going to be college football style. The SEC is different. The SEC power five conferences, they have all this donor money coming in, coming in and it goes directly to that. It's kind of alarming when you go from big 12 or a big power five schools to the NFL, you look at the facilities, those power five schools are way better but it's because they have donors footing the bill. It's not just one guy, the owner, trying to pay for everything. It's a little different. And they different. need that recruiting advantage. Yes, exactly. The one thing I will say, and this was a uh, good super chat from Steven, when the Royals move, he will build new facilities. I wonder if there's anything to that. I wonder if they build that new stadium or when the, the Royals eventually move downtown, which is the, the thought process here if the facilities will improve, that could be a situation as well. And I get that it's cyclical, right? That if you were early to build facilities and upgrade amenities during one era, the next era, you're going to be at the tail end. Like our Jumbotron is the fourth, I think, smallest in the league. Not that big of a deal, but it's sort of indicative of where we're at with upgrading things. We're overdue. And I think when you're arguably the the team in the sport, in the league, and you're consistently ranking poorly, 29th out of 32 in this survey, and then you look at cap spending in the 20s, last couple of years, it just kind of seems, it's Clark Hunt sending to me the wrong message. I want him to look at this opportunity with this nucleus of Reed, Mahomes, Kelsey, and Jones. Now, Mahomes is going to be here, uh, knock on wood, for 10 or 12 years, whatever. But the rest of those guys, who knows if he'll ever play with as special of a group, as special of a coaching staff again in his career. I think the time to, to not recklessly, I'm not saying give Von Miller $133 million. I think you still have to have limits on uncertain players and and be wise about it but i want the feeling i want to see some of that new orleans saints like we're we're we care more about winning than the bottom line uh i think given what mahomes has brought the franchise and and travis and the rest of those, those guys i think they are owed that i think the city which has been loyal loudly loyal 
through a lot of hard times, I think they are owed that, the taxpayers who rebuilt Arrowhead. I, I, I just feel very strongly about this. Dude, I'm with you, but it doesn't mean it's going to happen. You have to have the cash. You have to have it. I'm not saying, I don't know his bank account. Fun fact, I've never gone into his house and looked, one of those Scrooge McDuckian safes and looked in. That's not me. I've not done that. So I, I can't give you the honest answer. But my point is, I think he's doing a lot of what he can. He just brought a Super Bowl here two and five years. It's hard to really complain that much. I get what you're saying. Some of the uh, off the field stuff, it makes a difference. I'm with you. That should be better. But we don't know the cash situation. And just because we want him to pay the most in the NFL doesn't mean he can. Yeah. And again, that NFLPA survey is the biggest thing here because we were we were one out of six teams that makes rookies have a roommate in their hotel. I mean, it's just kind of like you keep reading this stuff and you're like, really? So I don't know. I, that's that's kind of my opinion on that. Uh, I do think Clark, to be fair, he's not a scumbag like Daniel Snyder. He's not an egomaniac like Jerry Jones. And he does care. I mean, I don't I don't know who said it first. I heard it somewhere and, and I, it stuck with me like someone with sources inside the league that there are only eight to 10 teams max every year that are actually trying to win the Super Bowl. The rest of the teams just aren't trying to win. They're trying to like sell tickets and put a somewhat competitive product out in the field, but they care more about money than winning. I think we are seeing that right now with almost every owner in the league drawing a line in the sand with Lamar Jackson and the NFLPA that money and power are more important to them than winning. I, I feel like that with every single owner in the league. That's just my personal opinion. I, I And the funny thing is, is if this happens with Mahomes, what's going on with Lamar Jackson, if he wants a new contract, he deserves it. He, he actually deserves it. And I don't think they can win that fight. What, what do you think would happen? We're kind of getting on a tangent here, but I think it's fun. If Patrick Mahomes called up Lee Steinberg today and said, you know what? I want $500 million guaranteed. I've earned it. I've won two Super Bowls. No one has ever had the first five years that I've had. Do you think that fight over guaranteed money would just be over with that one call? Has Mahomes missed 11 games over the past two seasons? Has Mahomes thrown 33 touchdown passes to 20 interceptions over the past two seasons. I think Lamar Jackson's a great player and he won an MVP, but they're not even in the same stratosphere. They're not in the same conversation. He won an MVP. That's great, but where's been the playoff success? That was also Lamar Jackson on a rookie contract when they were able to build a great team around him. Now it's going to happen when he's taking up a ton of cap space. Good luck. The injury issues are the main concern. That's why. I, I just don't think there's, it should be this hard. The reason why Lamar Jackson and the Ravens probably aren't on the same page right now and why there's some disconnect, he doesn't have an agent. When you don't have an agent, you have the team saying, this is why we don't think you are worth this. Of course that's going to draw some disconnect. You're going to get the ire of Lamar Jackson. He needs an agent so the agent can go to him and water it down a little bit. But now you have two dudes, same reason why in baseball arbitration had so much issues. You're seeing it with the Milwaukee Brewers. You're haggling over some money, and you're saying it directly to their face. You didn't do well in the playoffs. This is why we're not giving you this money. Yeah. I, again, I think Lamar needs an agent, and I don't think he, he needs all this guaranteed money because, as you're seeing, 
injuries, missing 11 games in two years, and the most important position in football is a major issue. It is, but also in baseball, in basketball, in the NBA, in Major League Baseball, these contracts are guaranteed, and those guys aren't putting their body, their minds, their future on the line as much as football players are. So I I think the players, uh, they have a case here. And I, I personally, I would like to see them, them win that, but there is a reason why they're picking Lamar to have this fight because he's been unhealthy because he doesn't have an agent because when the owners hand feed Chris Mortensen and Adam Schefter, the stuff they want out there, Lamar doesn't have a PR uh, mechanism to fight back. You know what I mean? Um, so I want to get to something I saw in the chat and that's that it, it, it's working Basically, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Like our system, everything we're doing is why we're, win, why we're winning Super Bowls. And my comeback there is Patrick Mahomes is the greatest mistake eraser that the sport has ever seen. And just because it's working, like we shouldn't assign credit to like Clark Hunt or everything Veach does or, or every player in the roster. He, he elevates everyone on this team. And I think, I think we can do better in certain areas. And we should always aim to do better. I mean, the Chiefs should always aim to, to do better. Yeah. We got kind of on a little tangent there, but I think it was fun. I think it was important. Hopefully Mahomes uh, doesn't go down that road and ask for the league's biggest contract. But I think he he's deserved it if he wants to. So we'll. I think it's coming at some point, a restructure. Don't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we know it's going to happen, and he's going to deserve it. Lamar, I mean, um, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback, the most talented quarterback the league has ever seen. If you want to say best, uh, I know a lot of folks will go with Tom Brady because of all the rings, and I would probably agree at this current moment. But if you want to talk about the most talented player in NFL history, it's Patrick Mahomes. He deserves it. Let's move on to number 10, and that is never sacrifice the long-term window for short-term panic moves. So Mahomes just automatically props open the window for a decade plus. And we now know the two years that the Chiefs won, a lot of it just came down to they were really healthy when they got to the playoffs. And that that kind of fueled their run. And, and sometimes it's what shuts down their run when they lost their offensive line uh, and lost to the Bucks. So uh, just there's no need to do anything reckless. And I think the Frank Clark trade, and I know there are a lot of different opinions on how Frank Clark worked out. And some people say, if you win a ring, you can't argue with it. But it was, yeah, two rings. But, but again, the great mistake, you know, the, the human blemish concealer that is Mahomes uh, and paying that capital and then paying him and being saddled with that contract. I, I think... Frank endeared himself to fans, playing through pain, coming back and playing uh, for less, being a role player. We kind of have to think of last year's Frank as almost a different person and different situation, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. I was say I get what you're saying with this, and I completely agree, but it's also tough. Like, was Orlando Brown Jr. worth it? I I think, yeah. Uh, Was Frank Clark worth it? I think, yeah, generally speaking, you would say no based on the production compared to the contract. But if you look back and you have two Super Bowl wins and they played a big part in those wins, it wasn't like they were bit pieces. 
I know it's tough, but Frank Clark was integral in the playoffs. Orlando Brown Jr. did shore up that left side. I think you have to look back and say, yeah, they were worth it. Do we know what happens if they weren't there? Would they still win if you paid the money somewhere else or if you didn't spend that money at all? We don't know, but we do know what happens when you have those two guys. It's tough to say they weren't worth it, but I I do understand where you're coming from. And I will say, I don't think we'll see a lot of these long-term contracts coming up. I don't think you're going to see a lot of these massive mega deals unless it's for Chris Jones or or, or, uh, Patrick Mahomes, right? You probably won't see a Tyreek Hill size deal. You probably won't see, um, I don't think you'll see a Justin Reed size deal unless the the cap just goes up a ton. Frankly, I I just don't see that happening. Um, Jawan Taylor's contract was was pretty big. Sure, but I don't think we're going to see a – that's also a premium position, left tackle. I I don't think we'll see a a guard get that much money ever again uh, while Patrick Mahomes is here. I just don't see it. Yeah, one thing the Chiefs have to be careful with, and the reason I brought up Frank, is they have this tendency to overcorrect a little bit. I like it. I like the aggression. I like them saying that you know D Ford cost us a trip to the Super Bowl. Let's upgrade there. Our offensive line cost us the Super Bowl. Never again. Never again is that going to happen where Mahomes gets in the big game and can't do anything and can't put the team on his back because he's on his back. So I like that, but you can go too far with that attitude. You can kind of it, it can kind of turn into a panic move, and you have to put. I just think like we won a Super Bowl last year in, in a retooling year where really we were nobody's first pick to win the Super Bowl. Maybe a few people, maybe a few people, but generally the best rosters were seen as, as like the Bills uh, and as the season went along, the Eagles. So I think we just have to have a healthy team and, um, you know, not get into any bad situations. So, yeah. uh, you know, just stay in the mix every year. That's why I don't think we should panic and trade for DeAndre Hopkins or or trade or bring in Orlando. I mean, uh, Orlando Brown Jr. Odell Beckham Jr. That's my personal opinion. I, I think that uh, we need to find long term solutions, not band aids, and that that we just can't. You know, we can't spend nineteen million dollars on a thirty one year old DeAndre Hopkins. Okay, you know, I thought you were about to say Odell Beckham Jr. I'm like, oh, he's not costing that. Odell Beckham Jr. is maybe I mean, seven. I, I like these Charles and Minihu deals, like getting a guy like that at, at 10 million per or whatever, or uh, I'm trying to think of an equivalent at the wide receiver position. Uh, I think we'll see a lot of one, two, and maybe three year deals going forward with Kansas city. I, I think we saw that a lot with the Patriots. And again, we keep going back to that because it's the most recent dynasty, right? But it's mm-hmm. a lot of one, two, three year deals. So you're not handicapped. You're not uh, hamstring by um, just horrendous contracts. So that's what I think we're going to see. And I think, yeah, Ronald says, like the Rams, they have all these massive contracts on the books. Guys get injured, you're screwed. You got to be healthy. The Rams did have some bad luck. I'm, I'm not going to pretend here and, and, and give you a speech like they bleaked up, but they went all in. They have a lot of large contracts, injuries piled up, and they were the worst team basically in the NFL. The Chiefs are going to start giving out one, two, three-year deals, and they won't put themselves in a bad situation. I'm with you, Adam. I think we're on the same page here. And I'd almost like an 11th commandment here. And that is, you just gave me this idea, diversify your portfolio. And that's what they did last year with Tyree Kill. They, they said, like the Rams, 
we're a little top heavy. You know, if Tyreek or Kelsey get hurt or, or Chris, we're screwed. So what did they do? They, they traded between the, the cap space saved and the players we brought in with that trade. We got about five players out of Tyreek. So mm-hmm. you become a little bit more impervious to, to injuries, which is, what, which is what you want. Like, as we mentioned earlier, who wins the Super Bowl among these contending teams a lot of times comes down to who's hot and who's healthy. So, And depth. I, I think the depth is a very, very good point. Uh, I always liken this to baseball because I'm a Royals fan, so it's very difficult for me. Uh, but the reason why the Royals were good in their stretch, they had so much depth. Did they have the star players? Not really. They had, you know, Lorenzo Cain and Eric Hosmer, uh, Salvador Perez. So they had like their core. If you want to say that's the Mahomes, Kelsey, and Chris Jones, right? But look at the Detroit Tigers. They had all this incredible talent at the top. They had Victor Martinez, Miguel Cabrera, J.D. Martinez, Justin Verlander, uh, Max Scherzer. But they couldn't get it done because the rest of that team was nobody's. They they, they were they were yeah. they were filled out by non quality players. Sometimes it's better to have the the focus on one or two superstars. And then the rest are quality guys instead of trying to go all in on having four five, six great players. But then the rest of your lineup isn't filled out completely. You have to have that balancing act. Yeah. And we're lucky enough to have, I think last year you could make the argument that we have uh, the top quarterback in the league. And then among non quarterbacks, we have two top 10 players. And Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey. So that is a special, uh, special situation. You're not going to find yourself in. Uh, I would probably bet that during Mahomes's tenure, that may never happen again. You know, yeah. Chris Jones very likely just had the best season of his career. Travis Kelsey at some point, theoretically, I mean, I, I hope not. I hope he never slows down, but at some point he's going to start tapering off. So, um, Got to keep the long view. I think that's it. I, I expected a little bit more clashing between the chat, between you and me, but I think we're all kind of in somewhat of an agreement about where this franchise needs to go and what has worked uh, successfully these past four or five years. I just don't want to fight with you, Adam. I'm, I'm not a fighter. Is it? Are you growing the mustache back? Are you more of a fighter, clean shaven, or with the mustache? No, I, I, I'm more of a fighter with the mustache when I'm going full Burt Reynolds. But no, this is just like three days, dude. I need to shave. Uh, it's just it's uncomfortable. I don't like it. I need to shave. But I basically have a perpetual mustache. Yeah, it, it's not fun. I'm not a shaver myself. I'm a I'm a once a week guy. You know, just let the stubble grow. Mm. I'm just excited. Saturday, I got a playing golf with some guys. Uh, we have an all day. It's eight guys. I forget what we're calling it. We're calling it a brotherhood event. We're getting like eight guys together. We're going golfing, smoking cigars, grilling steaks. Uh, should be fun. I almost feel like I need a mustache though for that. You're talking about golf and baseball. I, I know nothing about these things. You're speaking a foreign language. It's like me talking about Marvel and Lord of the Rings and all that. So do I ask the chat what I, what I smoke? Okay. This is what the chat, you know, come on. It's slow times right now on Saturday. Do I smoke the Buffalo trace cigar, Buffalo trace cigar or the scorpion, the Camacho? Let me know. 
Let me know. I'm leaning Buffalo Trace. I'm leaning Buffalo Trace. I think Tom Hood has a good call here. Sterling with the handlebar mustache. Kind of old timey. <laughs> I could rock that. I got black I and so. mild. Come on, Trevor. Just trying to be classy up in here. I do like black, black and mild wine tip. Ooh. Swisher sweets. And the black and mild wine with the wood tip, that, that brings you back. We've got three weeks until the draft. There will be facial hair and hygiene discussions galore. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I cut the hair and shaved. We had to have something to talk about. But hopefully the Chiefs will make some more moves and we'll dig into these uh, these prospects. And like I said, I think we're going to have some really interesting get, uh, guests that can help us go in depth until we get to the draft. So we will keep you entertained. We will keep the content churning no matter what the uh, content gods give us in terms of football and Chiefs news. We will keep it, uh, keep it churning. But for, for Sterling, for Richard, I'm Adam. Go Chiefs. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.